of the Lord, isn't it? It's uh, been a little bit quiet, so I hope y'all help me this morning. I sure need the help of the Lord. Psalms, Psalm chapter 18, if you want to turn, Psalm 18 and 35. I thought uh, 
Brother Bobby and Brother Jason were uh, going to do all my teaching for me this morning. So it went right along with it, the singing. We have felt the presence of the Lord, haven't we? Seems like we're a little bit quiet, but uh, maybe that's the Lord's will, and uh, hopefully I can help you this morning. Psalm 18 and verse 35. Thou shalt also give unto me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thy gentleness hath made me great. I want to talk to you this morning about God's gentleness. This psalm is also recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 22 with some variation. But if you look at the beginning of Psalm 18 and 2 Samuel chapter 22, you will find that this is a psalm of David. David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord. So this is a psalm to God. Spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies. So David is at rest now. He is king and he is rest now and he looks back over his life through all the battles, through all the fights, through all the sorrow, through all the pain that he has gone through, everything that David's gone through to this point. He remembers how he was pursued by by Saul, maybe like you would say a dog running a deer. He remembered being the suffering that he felt when he was betrayed by his own son and all the sorrow he must have felt when his son Absalom died. Battle after battle that David went through. David had sinned and been corrected by God. David had gone to the Philistines and back. God had used his own creation. A spider to cover the mouth of the cave to save him. So David looks back through all these things that he had gone through. And he comes to this conclusion. At the end when he's at rest. He comes to the conclusion that God's gentleness had made him what he was. God's gentleness had made him what he would, what he was. It was God's gentleness that stood out to David. He'd been to the Philistines and back. David had been lots of places. He had fought lots of battles, had lots of sorrow and lots of heartache. But he said, it was God's gentleness the reason I'm at where I'm at. Now David also in that same chapter describes God's power. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. He thundered and he sent out arrows and lightnings. The channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered at the rebuke of the Lord. What impressed David as he recalled all this, as he surveyed all this, was not the infinite power of an almighty God, but instead it was the amazing and unceasing gentleness of that all-powerful God. You see, God's gentleness is not contrary to His omnipotence. God is all-powerful, but He is also gentle, as the, the psalmist describes here. In fact, I believe that God's gentleness is evidence of His omnipotence. God's gentleness is evidence of being all-powerful. One writer put it this way, God's gentleness is power with tenderness. When we look at somebody and we say, that's a true gentleman, what pops into your head? Well, in my head it's not, and I hope it's not in yours, some limp-wristed, sissified, spineless being that has XY chromosomes. 
When I say there's a true gentleman, that's not what pops in my head. No, it's a, it's a chivalrous, honorable man who commands authority but also offers courtesy. That's what a gentleman is. So when I'm talking to you about God's gentleness, I'm not referring to weakness or being spineless. As I said, God's gentleness is power with tenderness. God's gentleness is evidence of his omnipotence. He is all-powerful and he is all-knowing. And David looks back over his life and he comes to the conclusion and he tells God through song, God, it is your gentleness that has brought me to the place that I am. The Apostle Paul wrote his own version similar to David's statement in 1 Corinthians 15. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I am here and it is only because of God's goodness, His kindness, His tenderness, His compassion, Brother Jason, His mercy, His gentleness to me. So David realizes that it is God's gentleness that he has not been destroyed it is God's compassion that he escaped out of the hand of Saul it was God's love down in his heart that he did not kill God's anointed king Saul time after time David remembers that is God's gentleness to him that kept him from being defeated that kept him from being killed that kept him from being stoned by his own men it was God's gentleness David talks about God's power and he talks about the strength that God gave David. But David says in reality, it was God's gentleness. The reason I'm here today is because of God's gentleness. He declares that it was not his glory for being king. He said, I did not deserve the privilege of being free from my enemies. It was simply and yet divinely God's gentleness. As Lamentations 3 and 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. David realizes that being king was not his own doing. It was providential goodness from God. Being free from his enemies, it was not of his own strength. It was the divine gentleness of God. God's gentleness is not God's weakness. It is not God overlooking His justice or His righteousness or His holiness. You see, God's gentleness is our mercy from His divinity. God's gentleness is is our forgiveness from His holiness. It is our kindness from His omnipotence. It is our compassion from the Creator, all-powerful God of the universe. God's gentleness is sending His Son to be the Lion of the tribe of, of Judah, but also the Lamb of God. Oh, where would, where would I be? Where would you be without the gentleness of God? God's gentleness when we grow weary. God's gentleness when we grow bitter. God's gentleness when we grow despondent or complacent. God's gentleness when we fail to trust Him. God's gentleness when we sin. God's gentleness when we complain or, or when we question Him. God's gentleness, His tenderness, God's gentleness when we're not so gentle. Gentleness is, after all, one of the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? Gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and gentleness. I'm glad that God is gentle with me even when I'm not always a good reflection of that gentleness. The Apostle Paul instructs Titus. And he's telling Titus to remind the Christians at Crete. He tells them to be gentle. Look at it. 
Titus 3 and 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. Y'all quiet this morning. Paul goes on to say in the next verse, Sometimes we live in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's what Paul said. Hate, look at verse 3. Hateful and hating one another. But he said we are to be gentle instead of hateful. Hateful, we are to be merciful instead of hating. Sometimes we try to excuse ourselves and say, well, that's just not my personality. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about being a sissy. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about being a gentleman or being gentle. God's gentleness is not his weakness. It's not spinelessness. That's not what I'm talking about. But Paul says here that you need to be gentle instead of hateful. And sometimes we excuse ourselves and say, well, that's just my personality. I don't have a gentle spirit. That's not my personality. But in reality, personality has nothing to do with it. It is submission to God, submission to His authority, and submission to His Word that makes us gentle. And I want to be gentle this morning because I need gentleness. But in our society, we don't like that word submission. We don't like to submit to authority. Look at the rioting that's going on. It is more about rebellion and hatred than equality. Our society does not care about gentleness. We say it, but we don't act it. We kill millions of babies every year. We sex traffic and, and enslave our children. We don't care as a society about gentleness, but my God cares about gentleness. The rioting and the killing would stop if we would have meekness instead of hatred. If we would be gentle instead of hating. The Apostle Paul instructs Titus here, remind them at Crete to be gentle. To be gentle. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Paul, he is a man of God reflecting the character of God through the manifestation of one of the fruits of the Spirit here. And he said, when I got to you, there was big problems, but I was gentle among you. I was gentle among you. He says, not lording over God's heritage, but with a meek and humble spirit, restoring those with meekness. Restoring them. with. If you need an emergency restoration, call Brother Seth. But if you need an eternal restoration, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer and he can restore with gentleness. Even in the house of God, we could reflect God's character better by being gentle. James 3 and 17 says, wisdom that is from above is gentle. Wisdom that is from above is gentle. If we do not reflect God's gentleness when we stomp those that are already down. When we shoot the lame horse, it's not really God's gentleness. We do not display or reflect the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost. The dove. We do not reflect the, the characteristics of the dove when we talk about our brothers and sisters. Now y'all are quiet. But wisdom is gentle. God, give me wisdom. 
Wisdom is gentle. It does not mean lacking in authority or compromising our doctrines or biblical standards. That's not what I'm talking about. The apostle Paul could, could preach it as strict and as straight as the next guy. But he said, I did it with love and gentleness. And that's what made the difference. Okay, so I've got to stop for a second and sing you a little song. I'm not a good singer. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Like clay in the hand of the potter. Such tender touch to be molded. That's how I want to be. I'm talking to you today about God's gentleness. David recognized that he was where he was because of God's tenderness towards him. When Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, in Isaiah 40 and 11, he prophesied and said, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. Talking about Jesus Christ, prophesying about Jesus Christ. And he shall gently lead those that are with young. Do you see the tenderness, the gentleness from our Savior? The Messiah is going to carry those that are weak. He's going to be gentle with those that need extra care and attention. That's the prophecy about Jesus Christ. We have a loving, gentle Savior. Still prophesying about the Messiah in chapter 42, verse 3. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. God's omnipotence, his all-powerfulness will not break the bruised reed. That is the marvel of God's gentleness. That is the mystery of God's gentleness. The gentleness of Jesus will not and did not quench the smallest flicker of life. In fact, Matthew uses this very verse here to show that Jesus fulfilled this prophecy in Matthew 12 and 20. Jesus was and He is the gentle Savior. How many times throughout the Gospels do we read that Jesus wept over them? Or Jesus saw them and had compassion upon them. He had mercy upon them. He gathered the children into his arms. We have a gentle Savior. Where would I be? Where would you be without the gentleness of God? You said it right, Brother Jason. Brother Bobby, you said it right. His compassion, his mercy, his tenderness, his forgiveness for us. That's God's gentleness. David realized that it was God's gentleness. That worked wonders in his life. From shepherd boy to king. From outcast and runaway to now he's sitting in his palace resting from his enemies. May we recognize that we are where we are. Not because of our own intelligence. It is not because of our own strength. It's not because of our business wit. It is because of his gentleness that we are where we are. We are not here because of good fortune. We are not here because of good heritage. Although we have it, we are not here because of good looks. We are not here because of good luck. We are here because God's gentleness has been upon us. It's the Savior's love and tenderness that draws us. It is His gentleness that compels us. 
Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek or gentle and lowly in heart. The Apostle Paul believed this with all of his heart about Jesus Christ. He believed it and he declared it in 2 Corinthians 10 and 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. He said, I'm telling you personally that I'm going to beseech you, but I'm doing it through the meekness and gentleness of of Christ. I'm not talking about some long-haired, limp-wristed Jesus Christ. I'm talking to you about the 100% God, the 100% man who created everything, who is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, and yet He has compassion and mercy upon me and you. He has gentleness to those that are in need. Throughout the Gospels, you read them. All four Gospels, you read it over and over and you can see the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. A bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench. What, am I, what is he talking about here? A bruised reed. It's like the little tender reed that's growing up in the marsh that has been trampled by a wild beast. And it is bruised, it is crushed, but it is not completely broken. There's a little life there. Nobody else would take a second glance. And it's portrayed as the person who has been crushed and marred and degraded by sin. And nobody else would give a second glance. But he said, I'm not going to add more sorrow to your heartache. I am not going to add more hopelessness to your suffering. I am not going to do that. I'm going to take notice and I won't even break the most frail among you. That is the gentle Savior. He will not add to our sorrow. He will not deepen our pain. He will not throw you out. You may be hopeless in everybody else's sight. You may be hopeless in your own sight. You may think that you are beyond repair. You might be bruised and battered and beaten and scarred by sin and bad decisions and terrible circumstances. But the gentle Savior can put your life back together again. No one else has the power, the authority, or the gentleness to do it. But Jesus does. I don't have the gentleness to do it. I don't have the power to do it. You can't just turn a new leaf and do it. You can't go to another AA meeting and get it. It's only through the gentleness of Jesus. Through the gospel of Jesus. Jesus said in John 12... And 47, for I am come not to judge the world, but to save the world. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. I hope you're quiet because you're listening and not because you're bored. You see, even the believer, even the Christian whose joy seems to be waning or whose love for God seems to be ebbing, You've grown weary and weak. Those who are downhearted and discouraged. The gentle Savior will not quench. Do you hear what I said? We don't shoot the lame. We don't stomp on the downhearted. And neither does the Savior. But with gentleness and kindness, He will cherish it. He will feed it. He will cultivate it. Brother Seth, He will restore it. He will not quench it. So I'm here to tell somebody this morning, there is a God who is gentle. 
He has compassion for the suffering. He has forgiveness for the sinful. And he has restoration for the repentant. He will and he does carry the weak. He gives extra attention and care to those who need it. Have you felt that in your life? Brother Jason, you are here because of God's gentleness to you and your family. I'm in the house of God because God in His mercy and compassion looked down and showed me gentleness. Sometimes we need God's power. And David talked about that power. But sometimes we need power with meekness. We need gentleness. We need gentleness. In his first earthly decoration, when Jesus was on earth and he got to the age of his ministry, he comes to John and John sees him coming. He says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He came as a lamb. He came with gentleness. I believe that Jesus Christ is God's gentleness towards mankind. Jesus is the embodiment of God's gentleness. God was infinitely and divinely gentle with mankind when he sent his son to die in our place. That's God's gentleness. You see, the death of Jesus Christ is the greatest act of gentleness that has ever been known. It is the greatest act of gentleness that has ever been known. When Jesus died on the cross, bleeding and bloody, almost dead, and he cries out, God, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's God's gentleness embodied in Jesus Christ. When we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. That's God's gentleness. If you don't believe what I'm saying, what did Jesus say in John 3.16? Those are red letter words. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's gentleness. So if you need some gentleness this morning, We are in a world where gentleness seems so foreign. Being a gentleman seems so foreign. The other day I was watching in one of those riots. And there was a guy sitting on the ground with his legs crossed. He had jumped in and and helped another woman who was being beaten. And he turned around and he went and sat down on the pavement. And a guy came up behind him and knocked him out with a kick. Knocked him clean out. Fell straight back and hit his head on the concrete. We're in a world where evil abounds. I saw when I was checking my emails that they went to, I think it was Tennessee this week, and found 34 children that were being held captive. Did that make the big time news? 34 children children were rescued from sex traffickers and slaves. And yet we don't cherish it. We don't broadcast that across the major networks. Because we're not a society that cares about gentleness. 
But our Savior, He is gentle. Let's stand. Do you need gentleness? Then I declare to you this morning that God's gentleness, Jesus Christ is your answer. Look back over your life like David did. Look back where have you come from. Look at all the times when you deserved punishment. You deserved death. You deserved hell. But you're here clothed and in your right mind. And you know what it's to? God's gentleness. God's gentleness. David looked back and he said, I see your power. I see your hand. I see where you gave me strength. But I've got to tell you, I am where I am because of God's gentleness. We have a gentle Savior, Jesus Christ. When God looked down and saw humanity in the filth and the sin, He had compassion upon us and He sent His gentleness, Jesus Christ, as our gentleness to replace our sin. If you are weary this morning, let the gentle Savior carry you like a lamb. You've seen it, the footprints in the sand. You've heard the story many, many times. Man looks back over his life and t- sees two sets of footprints going through the sand. And at a hard times, he only sees one set of footprints. He says, God, why did you leave me in those rough times? God said, I didn't leave you in those rough times. That's when I carried you. If you are weary this morning, then fall into the arms of a gentle Savior. If you need restoration this morning, don't fall in my arms. Fall in the arms of a gentle Savior who can gently restore your life again. Sometimes I think if we would get us out of the way, God could restore more people. Because I'm not always a good reflection of His gentleness. And I get in the way. But God can restore in gentleness. The good shepherd, He carries those that are weak. He gives extra attention to those that are in need. So if you're away from God this morning... The song said, earnestly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Come home. If life has you down, if the hatred and the bitterness of society has crept into your heart, then you need a gentle Savior. If you don't know what tomorrow looks like because your life is in such turmoil, and you are scarred and bruised and wounded by sin, come to the gentle Savior. And He said, I won't snuff your life out. I won't overlook it. I'll care for it. I'll tenderly carry you until the strength is there again. I'll gently rebuild your life. So if you're a sinner or you're a saint who's struggling, Or if you're on fire like Brother Jason and you can just realize it's God's gentleness that I'm here. Let's come this morning. Come before His presence. Come into the arms of a loving, gentle Savior. Thank you, Lord, for your gentleness with me. God, you've been so gentle with James Hanks. You've been so loving to me, God. I don't deserve your
your compassion. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't deserve your mercy. But you look down in time and said there's going to be a bitter young man who's going to need some tenderness. Somebody some gentleness this morning in this house. God, restore what Satan has taken. The bruises, they're so fresh and so raw. The reed is almost broken. There's only a little bit of life left. Everybody else would pass by. God, you show tenderness and you restore. God, we believe in you, but sometimes our belief becomes frail. We become weary with life, weary with the things that are going on. Our flame seems to be flickering. God, you restore. You refresh. Your gentleness, Lord, cultivates the flame again. God, give us that first love that we had for you. In the name of Jesus. No one can touch you like Jesus No one can touch you like No one can give you peace. You can.
Yeah.